It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now here's Eric Lutie. So I know some of you in here are younger. I see Piper out there. Uh, and little on the younger side, may, maybe has not actually exercised uh, Christianity in the dimension of difficulty. And when you walk through difficulty, when you walk through struggles, it demands that you don't just have head knowledge of Christ and of his truth, but that you actually learn to allow this to sink down into a soul operation. And I'd say probably one of the greatest challenges we ever face as Christians isn't with circumstances as much as with people. Because we have expectations of people, and especially other Christians, okay, that's, that's a tremendously challenging zone for us because, I mean, here we are, we're a room full of Christians, and I expect you to behave with honor, with charity, with mercy, with kindness, and it would be shocking to me if you did anything otherwise. And I could ask you a starter question, is that good or bad? Is it good that I would have an expectation that you'd be as Christ, or is it bad? Because some people would say, well, it's dangerous. You don't want to be disillusioned, so have zero expectation of anyone. And yet, we can't help it. I think it's a God instinct inside of us to think, have a high expectation of people's behavior, of our family's behavior, that our family, our parents will love us and stand, stay true to us throughout their, their lifetime, that our brothers and sisters will have our back. I mean, these are just instinctive. I mean, isn't this the way it works? And yet, many of us have run into behaviors that contradict this and as a result we've been shocked at the depths of our soul wounded hurt at the depths of our soul and this has created a potential breach almost like a crack in a dam or an open door in which the enemy has been able to slip in and you know uh, lay landmines in our life and so as a result I think it's important that we walk through a message like this it's an odd title I know backward and upside down and yet, if you've been around Ellerslie for a while, there could be some triggers with those two words. There's one specific story in scripture which shows a backwards movement, and there's another uh, story in scripture, well, it's not in scripture, it's in Christian history that shows an upside down movement. And they're both of the same ilk. They're in an aspect of what we call honor, of how you behave in the most difficult of circumstances in a way that showcases Christ as opposed to showcases the weakness of our own humanity. We have been given something to be able to respond in every situation with the grace of God. Well, we want to do that. And so sometimes we just need to put, allow God to put his finger on certain behaviors so that we can actually rise up to a new level of excellence and allow the Spirit of God to work through that. So I'm going to go back to the uh, book of Genesis and we have a very unusual story. Uh, sorry, I should have rated this uh, PG uh, because we have a little nakedness in this story. But uh, it's, I'll, I'll try and deal with it the best I can. And of course, that's the whole point of the story, though. Uh, and, and the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine, and he was drunken. Uh-oh. And he was uncovered within his tent. Uh-oh. 
You see, that means he didn't have any clothes on. I mean, I, I, no, this is a little bit of an awkward story. In the Ludi household, there's a simple rule, and that is we don't walk around naked. Okay, we have clothes on. My kids know that. All right, so this is a little awkward. Noah's uh, not obeying the Ludi house rules here. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. So how that ends up playing out in history is quite profound. Uh, the Shemites, if you've ever heard of Semites, the, the Jews would be the descendants of Shem. And so anti-Semitism is a common term throughout history. That's anti-Jewish is typically how that would be, but it's anti-all the descendants of Shem. And it is true because the Shemites actually came in and took possession of Canaan, which is the land of promise, and so, which was Ham's territory. And so you actually see this played out in ultimately the fulfillment in the Messiah. But uh, there's something in the story that I want to poke at, and that is when you experience weakness in those around you. And I'm not going to defend Noah here. I don't even know how to make a commentary on Noah. The Bible doesn't make a commentary on what's taking place here. It's more a commentary on how the three sons are responding to it because there's something wrong, something shameful in the situation. We all have a sense of that. And maybe before the flood, it was you know, grapes didn't ferment. I don't know. <laughs> These are things that people have made commentary on. We, we are not exactly sure what happened and why Noah finds himself in this position, but it's not a good position. And how his three sons are appropriating Noah's weakness is very, very important. You will see weakness in those around you, in the body of Christ. You have been entrusted with a guardian position of how you respond to that. You could respond as Ham, or you could respond as Shem and Japheth. And of course, just a quick cursory overview, I could say, which one do you want to respond like? And now, according to the story, we could have leanings, but we have a tendency to not respond as Shem and Japheth and to respond instead as Ham, which is why I think it's important that we allow the Holy Spirit to put his finger on this. Two options for handling the weakness in others. So we could have the Ham method, and so what does it say about the Ham method? Well, you could see the nakedness, you could see the weakness or the frailty or the failure in someone, and you could tell your brothers about the nakedness. In other words, did you see, did you see Pops? Did you see what he was doing? This is ridiculous. You could spread it around. In other words, you were not guarded with it. And that's exactly, it says Ham saw the nakedness of his father. It says Ham told his two brothers. Okay, so that's one way that you could handle it. Then we have the Shem and Japheth method. You could hear of the nakedness. It says Ham told his two brothers. So how did, his, how did they hear about the nakedness? You could hear about it. Someone could come to you and say, hey, did you hear? However, how do they respond to the quote unquote hearing? They take a garment. Shem and Japheth took a garment and set it upon, you could set it upon your shoulders. They laid it upon both their shoulders. That wasn't supposed to be bold. I went through all these and, and I forgot to unbold that. And they go backwards towards the vulnerable individual. They went backward. Now that 
well, there's actually two more. They could cover, you could cover the nakedness. They covered the nakedness. With faces backward, not seeing the nakedness the whole while. And their faces were backward, and they saw not the nakedness. So they could know about nakedness, but not focus on the nakedness. They could cover the nakedness, but they do it in a way that doesn't focus on the nakedness. That's an interesting picture, which I want you to recognize this going backwards, forwards. They're going forwards, but backwards. Isn't that a funny thing? They're going towards the problem, and they're addressing the problem, but they're doing it backwards with a blanket on their backs, on their shoulders, to set down over something that is a very real weakness, a very real nakedness, and they address the problem, but they address it very differently than Shem addresses it. No, Ham addresses it. And as a result, they are commended and blessed because of this, as opposed to cursed. Proverbs 17, 9. He that covers a transgression seeks love, but he that repeats a matter separates very friends. And so there, I mean, Ham is repeating a matter. What are Shem and Japheth doing? They're covering a transgression. And as a result, the Proverbs say they are seeking love. You can be aware of nakedness without looking upon it and inspecting the nakedness. In other words, I, as a pastor, believe me, I get to see a lot, well, it sounds funny. I mean, I'm going to rephrase that. I get to see a lot of nakedness. I know about a lot of nakedness. How about that? There's a lot of nakedness that a, a pastor, not necessarily because a pastor desires to know about it, but just because it's there. You're dealing with people in the church of Jesus Christ, and there's weakness there. However, how I handle it, if I get up on a Sunday morning and start talking about everyone's nakedness, like, yeah, and Chuck uh, last night, boy, I tell you what, and you don't just start talking about it, you cover it, because you seek to cover it with love. It's a, it's a garment of mercy and grace that we extend to one another. We still address it. In other words, as a pastor, I, now I know about it, I need to deal with it, okay? But how do I deal with it? That's of the utmost importance. The same is true for you. You don't have to be a pastor to need to do that. When you're not a pastor, you maybe don't know as much about the nakedness. Sorry to use that word so many times, guys. By the time we get done with the message, you'll be so used to it, you won't even think about it. <laughs> Listen to this, in, in light of this. A talebearer, remember Ham was a talebearer. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. So there's something, and I, I, I taught you guys, it was Friday's Daily Thunder, I was talking about honor that there is a deportment of heaven, the way that heaven behaves in every situation, call it honor, the way when a man is a man, a woman is truly a woman, but a Christian is a Christian. A Christian is as Christ is. Well, there's a great statement for it, and he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. It doesn't mean they don't deal with it, it just means they cover it. In other words, they are addressing the matter, not in a, a way it's like, hey, let's, let's not talk about that. Let's not address this. Let's just act like we didn't know about this. It's not that. It is Shem and Japheth method. In other words, they're still dealing with the matter, but they're not dealing with it as the talebearer. So moving forward, but doing it backward. Isn't that an odd phraseology? Moving forward, but doing it backward. This is how a Christian functions. You have something behind you that you are backing into that is a wrong, it is a weakness, it is a frailty, but you still move forward, but you're doing it backward. So why do you do it that way? In order to show honor, in order to seek love, to not look upon weakness, 
but rather to cover over the weakness. Hatred stirs up strifes, but love covers all sins. This idea of covering is actually going to be used quite profoundly through the Old Testament and the New Testament. We typically use the word atonement. And so there's an atonement for our sin. Well, we know in the capital A sense of atonement where that comes from, that comes from Jesus Christ at the cross. And even the picture of going forward backwards is quite profound if you think about the cross. The high priest of Israel. Now this is something I was hoping Nathan would be here this morning so he could make commentary on this. But Nathan said that he remembered, when I was bringing this up to him, this was quite a few years ago, and I was talking to him about the idea of uh, going forward backwards. And he goes, that's really interesting because I remember studying, that's why, if, since he's not here, he can't make any commentary. So I have this like paraphrased quote from Nathan from like five years ago. <laughs> but that the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies backwards. They, he would go forward backwards. Now, I can't. It's more of a question. Did he enter backward? It's a fascinating thought. I can't prove it. I can't. There's all sorts of theories and concepts of what the high priest did, like he had a rope tied around his ankle. And then some people say there's actually no evidence for that. However, it's really interesting. Like if he's struck down dead in the presence of God, they pull him out. Well, I like the thought. I think it's a profound statement. But we don't have evidence of that. And I don't have evidence of this as much as it does fit what I'm talking about. It's a show of deference and respect. If you've ever seen one of those movies where someone like a servant will back in up to the king and then hand them something, why would they do that? They're showing honor and deference to, a, to someone's presence, to someone's dignity. So the love that seeks to cover, can you think of a love throughout history that is sought to cover? Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. So when you look at that, of course we could think of Jesus, capital L love, capital C covering of a multitude of sins at the cross, and that would be accurate. However, this is in the outflow of the New Testament. This is the Christian learning to walk in the same love. And what we learn to do is pull a Shem and a Japheth in regards to a multitude of sins around us. That we could become ham, and we could be the tailbearer, we could be you know, broadcasting it everywhere. It's like, yeah, we got an an issue here in the tent. Yeah, Noah. Uh-huh. Instead, we are Shem and Japheth who say, okay, I realize that there is weakness, but I'm going to stick that blanket of love and mercy and kindness. The same blanket that Jesus covered me with, I'm going to extend to others, and I'm going to cover them with it. The blanket of love and grace. I'm just going to simply describe it as the cross. That's the blanket of love and grace right there. What is Jesus doing? Now think about this. In regards to Shem and Japheth, what are they doing? They're sticking something on their shoulders and they're going backwards. Jesus went forward, took the kingdom of heaven forward, if you want to say it this way, progressed our life forward by going backward. And everything about this, what he bore on his shoulders is the same thing that Shem and Japheth bore. It was mercy. It was love. And he carried what would be the weakness of us, which is that cross. It's the symbol of our sin. And he carried that upon his shoulders and covered us with his shed blood. It's an incredible thing of what's taking place even on that cross. It's being covered with blood. And it's a blanket of love and grace. And he, bearing his cross, went forth 
into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha. Whoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So Shem and Japheth could say, whoever's gonna follow in this same pattern, he needs to pick up his blanket and go forward backward. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So here's my expanded edition of Luke 14, 27. And whosoever does not humbly back into the splintery wood of a self-sacrificing loving lifestyle and come after me, walking backward with the garment of grace poised upon their shoulders to cover the weakness of others, can not be my disciple. Now that's a very amplified and expanded idea there. So let's pick up our cross. Let's go forward, backward. Let's go forward with self-sacrificing, forbearing love. So remember I titled this Backward and Upside Down? So you've covered the backward, but there's an upside down story in scripture of how the apostle Peter approached his cross, which has always stood out to me with such, uh, I mean, it just leaves me in awe and wonder. Because here you have this man who in his own human frailty denied Christ. And you could just see Jesus wanting to teach Peter a lesson. It's like, Peter, I know you want to stand for me. I know you say you're gonna die for me, but even tonight you're going to deny me three times. You see, Peter was still missing something. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost had not yet come. And many of us are like that where we desire to live this robust version of Christianity, but we need to recognize that we can't live this out without the power of grace, without the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon him at Pentecost, Acts 2, same guy who was a coward before a little girl is now standing before Jerusalem proclaiming the name of Jesus. The same city that crucified Christ, he's now standing in front of all of them saying, I'm with him. Whoa, that's a change. This same guy that cowered and ran away from that cross is now going to have his own encounter with a cross. He is going to be brought to his own execution. What is the execution device? A cross. Now, this is Christian history. This isn't in the Bible. And so I'm going to just read you the quote from Fox's Book of Martyrs. I'm just calling this, this the crucifixion of the Apostle Peter. Jerome says of the Apostle Peter that he was crucified, his head being down and his feet upward, himself so requiring because he was, he said, unworthy to be crucified after the same form and manner as the Lord was. So he is coming to his crucifixion, and out of honor and out of love and out of respect, for Jesus Christ. I mean, this is like literally walking in to the presence of God backwards. He literally says, I'm unworthy to die as my Lord. He chose, get this, a more painful death in order to honor his Lord. Who, who does that? Well, it's the same principle. You see it in the going backwards and upside down. You see, this is opposite the way the world functions. We naturally function like Ham. We naturally do not function like Shem and Japheth and like Peter in this story. We don't function, let's just summarize it this way, as Christ. You see, Christ goes into this form of suffering silent as a lamb unto slaughter. He does not even open his mouth. You know, when we go to a situation like that where we're falsely accused, 
Yammer, 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 yammer. In other words, this is opposite of us, guys. And that's okay to acknowledge because the Christian life is supernatural. It is not something that you can muster in your own strength. We will naturally be as Ham and we will naturally be as Peter prior to Pentecost. We will fail our Lord. If we dig in our own pockets to somehow live out this vibrant Christian life, we will fall short. But if we yield this body to him, we say, Lord, I desire to live with your love inside of me, your love pouring through me. I want to carry on my shoulders that blanket, that blanket of your shed blood. I want to carry that and set it upon the weakness of others. Don't inspect the weakness. You can know it's there, but set mercy and kindness and love and grace upon it. It doesn't mean you ignore it. It means you address it, but you address it with the dexterity of God's love, his honor, his patience, and his kindness. For every single one of us that have gone through extreme pains in the body of Christ, because there's a few of us in here that have gone through some pretty deep, deep things in regards to how the body of Christ has treated us. This is something that we need to freshly just remember. That today, if you're going to have a suffering and have a difficulty that you're gonna walk through, as it says, do not consider it strange, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Uh, we consider it strange, or why do we consider it strange? You know, that's a funny question since the Bible's very clear about it. So do not consider it strange, number one, and then freshly choose to go backwards and freshly choose even to walk a more difficult path through it if it means greater honor for your Lord. In other words, in every situation, you could choose the easiest path to get to the end and say, just, just get it over with, just crucify me. Or you could say, I'm unworthy to die in that form. I'll do it upside down. There are certain times in life where you will recognize that to go the straight path would actually be easier for you, but to take that extra route of love and mercy and kindness and honor would be harder for you. Which one are you gonna choose? Going backwards and upside down? We're Christians. We've been given everything we need to be able to address the challenges we face with a tremendous strength and grace and power. Let's use it. So this is my expanded edition. I, I, I gave this same slide a little earlier and I said let's pick up our cross and I said go forward, backward, go forward with self-sacrifice and forbearing love and I added something. And even be willing to go upside down. So be willing to go backwards and be willing to go upside down. It's a deportment and a disposition of soul today that I just want us to pick, just want us to carry out. Each one of us is supposed to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow. That's how we become the disciples of Christ. That's how we demonstrate. This isn't once. This is daily. We're supposed to die daily. So this is something we need to refresh daily in our soul. Every day when we wake up and stick our feet on the, on the ground, this is a symbol for me because this is literally how I think about it. It's like, this is the start of my day. Boom, boom. All right, God, this body is yours. My day is yours. My time is yours. My resources are yours. What you desire to do in this life, my answer is yes. And for us, we need to choose mercy and kindness and love to be our badge, to be our cologne or perfume, depending on which way you look at that. So let's, let's pray for that. Father, 
pray that you would make this specific for us this morning. Lord, that we would know how to apply this message, not just hold it in theory, but to apply it in practicality. Where you would show us different people in our life right now that if we need to forgive them, that we would forgive. If we need to extend mercy and grace to them, that we would do that. And that though we have witnessed up close certain weaknesses, that we would deliberately choose today to respond to those weaknesses the way you responded to our weakness. And Lord, that we would not look for another pattern. We would not try and justify any other behavior, but that we would be inspired afresh today by the cross, by Shem and Japheth, and by Peter and how he approached his crucifixion. And Lord Jesus, that we would lay down our selfish bent and pick up your love, and that that would be our cologne, our perfume, our badge. It's in the name of Jesus that we ask this. Amen. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday morning. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellersley campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.